Today's first reading and psalm look back to the marvellous deeds of the exodus of Israel from Egypt. Both readings see in the exodus a pattern and prophecy of the future, when God will restore the fortunes of his people fallen in sin. The readings today look forward to a still greater exodus when God will gather in the exiled tribes of Israel that had been scattered to the four winds, to the ends of the earth. The new exodus that Israel waited and hoped for has come fully and finally in the death and resurrection of Jesus. We are reminded too from the Gospel reading that the Old Testament and the New Testament in the Bible are not in opposition to each other, but form together the wonderful story of salvation that is also human history. So when the scribes and the Pharisees bring a woman to Jesus who has committed adultery, he does not contradict the Old Testament. Rather, what he says is, let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her, and then go and do not sin again. The Old Testament teaches us about the seriousness of sin, and then the New Testament teaches us about forgiveness of sin, which can only happen through Christ. What seems like a standoff between the Lord Jesus and the Jews, with all its possibility of ignition into open dispute, is part of a wider and complex interaction that involves also the woman caught in adultery, but has been going on before she arrives on the scene and will continue afterwards. Often our emotions move us to side with the woman. After all, she appears to be unjustly treated, since her partner in sin, the man, is not present. Or was he? Was he one of the members of the crowd who came with the Jewish leaders? Was he exacting some revenge on her, or saving face by taking a place taking a place among her accusers? We do not know. Let us also not overlook that she had committed a sin, and a serious infraction against the sixth commandment, and against the law of Moses. The Jewish leaders come to Jesus with mixed motives. They were fulfilling the requirements of the traditional application of the law of Moses and upholding the divine law of the Ten Commandments. They also are trying to trap Jesus into making a serious error that they could use to condemn him. So there is much going on. As we reflect upon this tumultuous episode, let us not lose sight of the fact that all of them, the crowd, the leaders, the woman, come face to face, face to face with God, who is the author of all the laws they rely upon or have broken. As our Lord dispenses divine judgment, notice how he does it. It is so different from the human way of justice and of law courts. He doesn't need witnesses, because he can see into the hearts of every person present. Giving them time to realise this 
may be why he paused and started writing on the ground. He does not thunder and rage and intimidate. He states facts, the truth, and then waits. He waits to offer each one there the gift of conversion of heart. He also waits for each one's response, never demanding or forcing a response. Those who walk away may be doing so in shame and embarrassment, but some might be doing this because their heart has been touched and the process of conversion has begun. The woman has to wait because she cannot walk away. No one would let her do that. She remains to experience a profound personal encounter with Christ and to experience his mercy and his clear demand of conversion, that is, not to sin again. The depth of her conversion is often shown in movies, pictures and art. She does not stand before our Lord, nor does she kneel. She is face to the ground, prostrate before him. God's mercy to sinners is shown clearly in Jesus Christ. He does not condemn the woman, but seeing and knowing her contrition and sorrow, sends her on her way, hearing those words, Has no one condemned you? Then, neither do I condemn you. I imagine that the woman sensed that this was no ordinary man saying those things to her, and Christ would have helped her and illuminated her mind to some understanding that she was hearing divine words, not human ones. St. Augustine said, God created us without us, but he did not will to save us without us. To receive God's mercy, we must admit our faults and confess our sins and show sorrow for them. All of us sin. St. John wrote in his first letter, If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. God will never force, not even a sinner. God always desires the sinner to change his or her ways and come back to him, but he will never force. He will call and help in every way, but human free will is always respected by God. God will never stop offering grace, because it is grace that will uncover sin so as to convert our hearts. Like a physician who probes the wound before treating it, God will cast a living light upon our sins because conversion requires being convinced of sin. Once a person is convinced of his or her sin, conversion may begin. Laudator Jesus Christus.